Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and I invite you to join me for an exploration of God's Word in Scripture. These words are meant to inform and to inspire, to challenge and soothe. This week I've chosen two lessons that can give us some insights to what it means to strive for perfection while living in an imperfect world. These words are spoken in the context of turbulent times. While we won't find the answers to all of our questions here, I hope that we can get a glimpse of some encouraging truths. We begin with a reading from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus gathered the people around him and said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And continuing with a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you remember this old song by Mac Davis? Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble When you're perfect in every way I can't wait to look in the mirror Cause I get better looking each day To know me is to love me I must be a hell of a man Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble All you would have to do is to hear me sing a couple of lines of this song, and there would be no doubt in your mind as to whether I'm perfect or not. At the very least, I don't have perfect pitch. And I can't tell you how many times when I've messed something up badly that I've turned to the old familiar excuse. Well, nobody's perfect. Ain't that the truth? 
So the last line of our reading from Matthew today has perplexed me for years, where Jesus says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It would seem that Jesus is setting the bar impossibly high for his followers, for you and me. We're not only to be perfect, but we're also to be perfect to the degree that God is perfect. Impossible. I get doubly frustrated when one verse from the Bible contradicts another. Such is the case with Jesus' call to perfection compared to what Paul says in Romans. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus calls us to be perfect. Paul says that we all fall short of that goal. Reaching perfection for me would be like trying to clear a seven-foot bar in the high jump. Now, I could limbo under a seven-foot bar, but I'll never jump over one. Some people seem to have an innate need for perfection in themselves and others. While perfectionism as a personality trait can be positive, you know, perfectionists may produce good work. When I had some kitchen countertops put in a few years ago, I appreciated it that the craftsman who installed them was measuring down to one one hundred and twenty-eighth of an inch. But taken to the extreme, it can lead to problems. Perfectionism is a factor in mental disorders, such as obsessive-compulsive disorder and anxiety disorders. It can also lead to relationship problems. Perfectionists can be difficult to live with. Perfectionism also applies not just to us as individuals, but also to how we view our nation. When I was in grade school, we were required to memorize and recite the preamble to the U.S. Constitution. I still know it by heart. They taught us well. It goes, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. In a commentary that he made some 20 years ago, journalist John Chancellor pointed out that the framers of the U.S. Constitution did not foresee that they were forming a perfect nation. He said, The aim of the Constitution was not to create a perfect union. None of the framers believed mortal beings were capable, capable of a perfect union. They wanted instead to form a more perfect union. The important thing is, we're still trying to accomplish that. Well, I noticed that the commentators and politicians on both sides of the aisle picked up on that theme in the days leading up to the 59th inauguration. The founding forefathers anticipated that we would sometimes fall short as a people, even to the extent that we witnessed in the violence on January 6th. Now, the perfectionist despairs in such moments. Realists are empowered by hope that when we falter, that we will once again 
set our eyes on the future, and pledge to do better next time. Nor was Jesus placing the burden of perfection on our shoulders. I would paraphrase his words, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, as follows. Keep on striving to be more perfect in the same manner that God is perfect. And he'd already spelled out the manner in which God was perfect. He was perfect in love. He was free from hate. He was perfectly capable of forgiving, even to the point of forgiving and loving his enemies. He calls us to do the same. That perfection was then embodied in Jesus Christ. Perfection, then, is always aspirational. It's a goal that may recede from us just as we think that it's within our reach. Now, there are two ways that we can respond when perfection eludes us. We could respond like the fox in Aesop's fable, who tries again and again to jump up and get a mouth-watering bunch of juicy grapes hanging from an overhead vine. When he fails after several tries, he gives up and walks away in disgust, saying, Here I am wearing myself out for a bunch of sour grapes that are not worth the grasping for. Failure in the pursuit of perfection can lead us to give up and walk away with a sour taste in our mouths. That's just not worth it. Or on the other hand, instead of leaving us in a, with, in a sour grapes funk, our shortcomings can pull us upward. As Robert Browning says, a man's reach should exceed his grasp, or what's a heaven for? God is always calling us up in the direction of the kingdom of heaven. Instead of giving up, we mirror Paul's words in Philippians. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The first measure of perfection that Jesus mentioned was the ability to love. And you talk about our reach exceeding our grasp. We are to love our enemies. He even goes as far as to say that it's not really a virtue to love those that love you first. That's just a quid pro quo. Love those people who have done their worst for you. People who hate you and slander you, even those who would kill you given the chance. That was, by the way, what Jesus did from the cross when he looked down upon the crowd frothing from the mouth, who were in the process of torturing and killing him. Father, forgive them, for they know what they do. They showed him murderous hatred. He returned, reconciling love. When we talk about making our nation more perfect, we are talking about making ourselves more perfect. Because America is just an ideal, or an idea. We are the ones who have to be about doing the loving. Nations can't love. I have to love those who have wronged me, 
or whom I perceive as an enemy in one way or another. You have to love those who have hurt you, not just your family and friends and those who think the same way that you do. Can you do that? Probably not. At least not totally. I can't. You and I aren't perfect. I'm more likely to find those articles in the newspaper, broadcasts on TV, Facebook posts, and anger-filled tweets that reinforce my hatred of my enemy. Give me a reason not to love them. Wallowing in righteous indignation makes me feel good. Hey, nobody's perfect. In a sermon a few months ago, I played that old Coke commercial where a diverse bunch of children and adults are on a hillside singing, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I bet those people on that hillside, let alone the rest of the world, ever went on to sing in perfect harmony. I bet that the group gathered on that Galilean hillside listening to Jesus preach never did either. But 2,000 years later, we're still trying to sing and live in more perfect harmony. Paul spoke to one of the first church communities that he had formed to give them advice about how to live as a community. He said, strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. And his more excellent way was love. That's what we strive for. In retrospect, I have to argue with Mac Davis. Oh Lord, it's not hard to be humble. I'm not perfect in every way. I can't stand to look in the mirror. I fail you every day. If you know me, I don't know how you can love me, because I'm one hell of a sinful man. Oh Lord, it's not hard to be humble, but I'll try to do the best that I can. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Now, let's try to live by it. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. God bless you and keep you. God let his face shine upon you with mercy and give you peace. And God bless the nation that we imperfectly love. Go and serve the Lord. Thank you.